All right, welcome back to From Aid Arbitration. And today we're going to talk about a, a topic that uh, absolutely breaks my heart. It, uh, it's the hardest thing that I have to, to deal with, to defend. Uh, I have never made it through an arbitration when I'm dealing with this topic where I don't get emotional and I don't break down. And uh, it, it is absolutely devastating to deal with. It is a, a demon. It is the devil himself. It is uh, the destroyer of homes, uh, of families, of friendships, of lives, of jobs. And it's, it's, uh, it's dealing with addiction and alcoholism. And I have dealt with it numerous times in arbitration. And I'll talk about some of those. Uh, I've dealt with it in my own station. I have never drank, so I don't know personally what that's like but I have dealt with it enough to know what it does to people and what it does to people's lives and so it's a tough subject it's a it's a heartbreaking subject but it's one that we better be well versed in how to defend our brothers and sisters when it comes up and it will the first thing we're going to do when a carrier gets called into the office by management or the postal inspectors and they're confronted with a charge they're confronted with an accusation and we know that that carrier is dealing with addiction of some form of alcoholism drug addiction the first thing we're going to do when we leave that meeting is we're going to tell that carrier to immediately contact eap that's what we're going to do you're not going to do the first thing without telling that carrier Contact EAP right now. Before you get in your car, you contact EAP and you get help and you start getting counseling right now. That's the first thing we're going to do, okay? I don't care who it is. I don't care if you like this person, if you hate this person. You're going to help this brother or you're going to help this sister when and it's their time of need. Because I'm going to tell you this, when it comes to that point, when it comes to the point that they're fixing to lose their job because of something foolish they've done because of their addiction, you are probably the only one that they have standing in their corner. You need to understand that. You are probably the only one that they have on their side. You're probably the only thing that they have going for them at the lowest point of their lives. And you remember that. And you act that way. I tell my carriers all the time that I love them. I do. I tell them all the time. If I'm doing a stand-up talk, I'll always end up telling them that I love them because I do. They are my brothers and they're my sisters. And I'm going to do whatever I have to do to protect them under any circumstances. And this is the hardest one that you'll ever have to deal with is addiction. And so I had an arbitration once. This gentleman was under the addiction of, of methamphetamine, and it was bad. And I'm going to read from, from arbitrator's decision here in a bit, but he, uh, he came to the hearing high. He was sitting in his chair beside me high as a kite. He was sweating profusely. I'll never forget that, you know, thinking, how in the world are we going to pull this man out of this here? And he's, he's at the hearing high. And so he was caught lying over and over again. I mean, it, it was it was more than I could take. But what I pled was this. Here is a man that is acting like an addict. What do you expect? 
What do you expect an addict to act like when he's under the influence of whatever it is that he's addicted to? Well, however you expect him to act, that's how he's acting. So don't be surprised, don't be shocked that an addict is acting like an addict. I always talk about uh, the rattlesnake. And the rattlesnake, if you have a rattlesnake as a pet, and you give him water, and you feed him mice or whatever you're going to feed a rattlesnake, and you take care of him, and, and you've, you've taken care of this rattlesnake for years, and you make sure he's got the best little environment that this rattlesnake can have. And so one day you're like, you know what? I love this rattlesnake, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pet him because I've taken care of him. And, and I've nurtured him, and I've fed him, and watered him, and given him a great environment. And I know that he appreciates that. And, and he probably feels the same way about me that I do him. And so you're going to reach down there and pet that rattlesnake. You know what that rattlesnake's going to do? He's going to bite the hell out of you. And he'll probably kill you. And while you're sitting there, passing away, you're probably going to think, What happened? I love this rattlesnake. I've taken care of this rattlesnake. And he's, he's killed me. Well, you know what the rattlesnake is doing? Acting like a rattlesnake. That's, that's what they do. That's what it is. That's who it is. It's a rattlesnake. It doesn't care about you. Addiction is the same way. An addict only cares about one thing, his addiction, and what it is that's going to keep him addicted. So don't be upset. Don't be confused. Don't be alarmed. Don't be shocked. When an addict is acting like an addict, and that's what I told this arbitrator, and I'll read his decision here in a minute. But Article 35, and this is dealing with alcoholism, addiction, anything. Article 35 is the first thing that we're going to argue when we're dealing with an addict of any kind. When we're dealing, and I don't care what this, this person has done, because there are some sites out there where you're amazed that the arbitrator has brought this carrier back, uh, throwing away mail, uh, intoxicated while at work, having numerous accidents. Arbitrators will look at addiction as what it is. It's a debilitating disease, and this carrier is afflicted with it. And if they're trying to get themselves help, if they're doing everything that they can to help themselves, and they're showing remorse, that arbitrator is hard-pressed not to bring them back. And I'll show you some examples of that here in a minute. But Article 35, Employee Assistance Program, that's the first thing that you're going to argue when we're dealing with someone afflicted with an addiction, okay? Uh, Article 35 is 35.1, Section 1, Programs, and this is what it states. The employer and the union express strong support for programs of self-help. That's the first sentence. I'm going to read that again because that's good. The employer and the union express strong support for programs of self-help. The employer shall provide and maintain a program which shall encompass the education, identification, referral, guidance, and follow-up of those employees afflicted by the disease of alcoholism and or drug abuse. So the contract is calling it a disease. I've had arbitrations before where management says that it's not a disease. It's a choice. I had one the other day. I'll talk about that in a second. With management saying, hey, this isn't a disease. This is his choice to go out and do this. Well, 
Article 35, that 35.1, the first section, they categorize it as a disease. It says afflicted by the disease of alcoholism and or drug abuse. When an employee is referred to the EAP by the employer, the EAP staff will have a reasonable period of time to evaluate the employee's progress in the program. This program of labor management cooperation shall support the continuation of the EAP for alcohol, drug abuse, and other family and or personal problems at the current level. And here's the best part. An employee's voluntary participation in the EAP for assistance with alcohol and or drug abuse will be considered favorably in disciplinary action proceedings. Uh, it goes on, and uh, if you go on to the other page, 35.2, says joint committee. Down at the very bottom, it says this. This is what it says. The employer and the union agree that they will cooperate fully at all levels towards achieving the objectives of the EAP. This joint effort will continue for the term of the 2011 National Agreement. Obviously, this is the old agreement, but that language is money when we're helping out our brothers and sisters who are afflicted with a disease of alcoholism or drug abuse. And we have them. You may not know it. You may not know it in your station. You may not know someone is afflicted with that disease or they're battling with that every day. They may not show signs of that. When they get home, that may be their time. And, and you're not just fighting for them. Always remember that. I talked in an earlier episode about you don't know what's going on in these people's homes. It may be all they can do to get up in the morning and come to work. It may be all they can do to go home to the situations that's waiting on them when they get home. You do not know. So you love your brother and sister and you protect them like they are your brothers and sisters. They may be working next to you and you never know that they have an addiction problem. You may never know it. They may never show signs of it until it's too late and something happens at work and you're confronted with that. You take care of them. You fight harder than you've ever fought for anything in your life. You fight for that brother and sister that's afflicted with that disease. In uh, Defenses to Discipline, the, the book I was talking about the other day, it's a, it's a white book. It's an old one. It's a 1988 edition. It's Defenses to Discipline. It's a white book. It's got some red writing. On page 52, there's an entire section that's talking about grievant was impaired by drugs or alcohol including claims that alcoholism was the cause of grievance misconduct. Okay, and here's a case. It's case number 01928. 01928, and I'm fixing to read a lot, and I, and I always apologize for that because I hate reading. But I've got some sites that I want to read to you that are going to be situations that you're going to deal with that are relevant, and I'll show you the language. I'll read the language to you, and you're going to understand what I'm saying. But here's what it says, uh, 01928, 01928, and this is Arbitrator Seidman. It's S-E-I-D-M-A-N. This is what he says. What then are the factors which would allow an arbitrator to mitigate the offense committed by the alcoholic which led to his removal from the Postal Service to order that he be reinstated by the Postal Service? The decided cases rely on several factors. First, that the act was done while the grievant was an alcoholic, and at the time the act was committed, he was either drunk or under the influence of alcohol. Second, that the grievance prior work record is either relatively clear of discipline action or that all or most of the prior disciplinary actions occurred as a result of the grievance alcoholism. 
Third, that the grievant is successfully participating in PAR, and that participation has caused both his counselor and the officer in charge of the PAR program to indicate that he is likely to be a successful candidate for rehabilitation. And fourth, that the grievant has had a substantial length of service with the post office, generally for a period of at least 10 years, with the likelihood of reinstatement increasing the period of prior service is 20 years or more. So there again, we're talking about length of service. I talked about tenure earlier. There's another case of that. Here's what one arbitrator said about alcoholism. This is what he says, and it's not good. It says, one arbitrator of the NALC USPS discipline cases was recently heard to ask, what have you got when you sober up a drunken male thief? His answer, a sober male thief. So some arbitrators, they're not going to consider that argument at all. But we're going to give it every shot we've got in arbitration, okay? I I talked about uh, the case where the gentleman came to the hearing and he was he was under the influence of meth or whatever. He was he was high as a kite. And so I pled the arbitrator for this guy. I pled this man is is an addict acting like an addict. And so what do you expect? And he's attempting to get himself help. And, you know, we argued Article 35, uh, where this case was at, had a very good formula. She's always been fantastic, uh, did a very good job for us. It's C number 33598. A and B. C three three five nine eight A and B. And it's emergency placement and a removal. We lost the emergency placement. But we won the removal. And this is what it's under arbitrator Lawrence Roberts. And this is some of the best language you can ever use when we're dealing with Article thirty five. And this is what he states on page nine. This is what he states. As I've stated many times, there are certain deeds that certainly deserve removal action even on the first occurrence. Acts such as theft or involving physical violence provide only a few examples. And based on the language of the party's agreement, I'm of the considered opinion that not every case involving drug or alcohol abuse necessarily fit into that same category. At first blush, the acts of the grievance appear heinous and reprehensible in this particular work environment, and management's reaction was immediate removal. However, in my view, the chief negotiator's would have considered this particular case just a little differently. The very first sentence in that Article 16 language defines the basic principle of discipline to be corrective in nature. And, as a more detailed reinforcement of that language, is the entire content of Article 35. Specifically, those same chief negotiators included this very specific language, stating that the employer and the union express strong support for programs of self-help. The employer shall provide and maintain a program which shall encompass the education, identification, referral, guidance, and follow-up of those employees afflicted by the disease of alcoholism and or drug abuse. When an employee is referred to the EAP by the employer, the EAP staff will have a reasonable period of time to evaluate the employee's progress in the program. This program of labor management cooperation shall support the continuation of the EAP for alcohol drug abuse, and other family and or personal problems at the current level. An employee's voluntary participation in an EAP for assistance with alcohol and or drug abuse will be considered favorably in disciplinary action proceedings. The above language is paramount in controlling in my decision in this matter. Management in this case considered the actions of the agreement atrocious and comparable to either theft or violence. 
and the action of removal was immediately applied. However, the unambiguous language of Article 35 clearly defines, in no uncertain terms, drug abuse as being a disease rather than a crime, and that certainly changes the whole perspective in this matter. Specifically to this case, Article 35 directs that a reasonable period of time to evaluate the employee's progress in the program be provided. The 27 February 2018 pre-arbitration settlement requires the grievant to contact the employee assistance program. To me, that indicates to me that prior to the date of this settlement agreement, the grievant had no contact with the EAP. And with that being said, I was not convinced that a reasonable period of time to evaluate the grievance progress was provided. In my view, the employer simply ignored the language of Article 35. This agreement is not prioritized. Listen to this. Article 16 and 35 are of equal weight. And in this case, I was not convinced the proven guilt and its subsequent penalty meted out by the agency outweigh the unequivocal language of Article 35. Based on the convincing evidence introduced in this case, I'm of the considered opinion that while positive test results were seemingly egregious, his exemplary long-term service is deserving of a final opportunity and last chance to salvage his postal career. My findings certainly did not overlook that positive drug test. However, the Article 35 language as applied to all the facts of this case is certainly applicable to the grievant. That's how powerful Article 35 is. He said it's of the same weight as Article 16. That's why the very first argument I'm making, if I've got a carrier in my station that has done something and the attributing factor is alcoholism or drug abuse, I'm telling them first thing, go to EAP. Go get help. If you want to salvage your career, if you want to continue working at the Postal Service, go get help immediately that's what you do then we argue article 35 you're going to get a very detailed statement from this carrier and he's going to talk about or she's going to talk about the issues that she's been having with alcoholism the issues he's been having with drug abuse and what it's cost them as far as their job their home their kids their family and they're going to talk about it and they're going to talk about the struggles they've had with this disease in the investigative interview that's exactly what's going to happen. And I'll tell you about another case I had uh, in arbitration. But they're going to talk in depth about their disease in the investigative interview and how it's crippled their lives and how they are requesting help and they need help and they want anybody and everybody to help them with this disease, to help fight this disease with them, okay? We've got to do that. We've got to do that. Educate your people if this is what they're going through, that in the investigative interview, they are going to throw themselves on the sword and talk about their disease. They've got to. I had an arbitration a few months ago. This man was in trouble. He was in trouble. He was, uh, he was passed out at his station. He was high on meth and heroin uh, management attempted to get him out of his vehicle it was his personal vehicle he had gone off off the property in his personal vehicle while while on duty and bought heroin and shot that heroin up at a gas station and came back and uh didn't get out of his car he passed out he was so passed out that 
They were banging on the car. Management was banging on the car, trying to get him to answer, trying to get him to wake up. He couldn't. The doors are locked. Sweating profusely. Manager even thought he was dead. They call the police, ambulance. They all come out there. They have to break the guy's window to get him out. That, that's how far gone he was. And they had to, to do chest rubs or sternum rubs to get this guy to, to come to. And he immediately told the police, I'm an addict. I need help. The OIG came, interviewed him. He said, I'm an addict. I need help. Management in, investigated him in the investigative interview. He said, I'm an addict. I need help. He said that he immediately checked himself in the AP and other self-help programs. He wrote a statement. He said, I'm an addict. I need help. And we go to the hearing. Management does their opening statement. And I'll never forget it. They kind of mock him. And they, they kind of mock the poor guy. And uh, I was incensed. I mean, I was absolutely incensed. Not just because they were mocking my brother, but because of the situation that they knew that this man was in. And they're going to mock him in their opening statement. So... In my opening statement, I went after them. And I told them, I said, here's, here's my problem with management's opening statement, Madam Arbitrator. Here's, here's a man who is fighting for his life. He is fighting for his life. And management is going to sit across the table and mock this man. That is an absolute disgrace. It's an absolute disgrace. Here's why. If somebody was sitting across the table from me and they were an addict and they were suffering, I would pray for them, not on them. And that's the difference between this side of the table and that side of the table. Because I want to see people survive. I want to see people overcome their addiction, overcome their affliction. I want to see people have victory over the thing that is destroying their lives. That's the difference between this side of the table and that side of the table. This man here sitting beside me has done every single thing to help himself alone. Management hasn't lifted the first finger to help this man. Not the first finger to help this man. They know he's an addict and they removed him from his livelihood without lifting the first finger to help him. And then we're going to come in here today and they're going to mock this man in front of him. Now, I got emotional in that, in that opening statement. But here's what happened. The arbitrator made a bench decision without getting into the merits of the case. She didn't get into the merits of the case. She made a bench decision. She's bringing him back. Be passionate about your brothers and sisters. Be passionate about them. You don't know what they're going through. I've got some sites here. That, that I want to, it's just a couple more sites I'm going to read. And I, like I said, God, I hate reading to you. But uh, one of them is 02371. And make sure you put that zero in front of it. 02371. 02371. And this is by arbitrator Renfro. This is what he states. And this is what we deal with a lot when management argues against 35 because an alcoholic may not be at work intoxicated. A drug addict may not be at work under the addiction at the time. 
may not be addicted to something at the time. And so they're going to say, hey, look, he may be an addict, but when he was at work, he was he was in his faculties. He was he was coherent. Uh, he knew what he was doing. What they're saying doesn't apply. What the union is arguing doesn't apply because at work, he was not shown to be under the influence of any alcohol or drugs. So he, he knew what he was doing at the time. That's what they would say 99% of the time. And, and here's what Arbitrator Renfro said. It's position of the parties. This is position of the Postal Service, and this is what they say. The Postal Service insists that the case must be decided on the facts known as they existed at the time of the grievance discharge. And that evidence of subsequent rehabilitation is irrelevant. Here's what they state. Finally, it is argued that the grievance curtailment of mail on April 18th and 19th, 1977, is unrelated to his alcoholism. And that's because they're saying that that he was uh, not under the influence when he was at work. He goes on to state on page 6, and this is his discussion findings. He says, The remaining inquiry is whether discharge for this misconduct is justified. The union contends that the grievance behavior is attributable to his alcoholism and that lesser punishment is therefore required. The Postal Service has taken the position that the grievance drinking problems had nothing to do with his actions on April 18th and 19th. A careful review of the evidence convinces this arbitrator that the grievance alcoholism was primarily responsible for the misconduct giving rise to his discharge. That the grievance is an alcoholic and has been one for some time is undisputed. The grievance supervisor was aware of this illness and its effect on Mr. So-and-so. I can read that. Mr. Watkins work performance for 20 years. His record overall was a good one, with no suggestion but for this incident of mistreating mail that he was anything other than a responsible and trustworthy employee. The only blemishes on his record were his absences of the past two years, and these were clearly related to alcoholism. He goes on to state on page 10. As explained above, the arbitrator is convinced in this case that but for the grievance drinking problem, he would not have committed the very foolish and serious acts involved. The evidence indicates that he now fully appreciates the problem and, through great personal effort, has complied with the requirements of the rehabilitation program and maintained sobriety for a long period of time. The record in this case, including grievance straightforward testimony, indicates that the prognosis for the future is good. These factors, along with the grievance 20 years of service, there that is again, persuade this arbitrator that discharge was too severe in this case. This does not mean that the misconduct here can be condoned or its seriousness minimized. Also, it must be recognized that there are limits to which any employer can be expected to go to help an alcoholic employee overcome his problem. The time does come when an employer may reasonably conclude that its efforts to encourage rehabilitation have failed and that prospects for substandard improvement are so slim that the employment relationship must be terminated. And lastly, he states this, It is hoped that reinstatement of the agreement will be beneficial to the Postal Service and the agreement, that Mr. Watkins will prove by his actions and his uninterrupted continuance in the rehabilitation program that this decision is reasonable. Should this not prove to be the case, and Grieven again becomes unable to properly perform his duties because of involvement with alcohol, he should understand that he has had his last chance and termination would be warranted. You'll see that a lot in these decisions that you read about alcoholism and how arbitrators feel about it. More than likely, they're going to give you one last chance. They're going to give you a last chance to redeem yourself. And it's up to us 
as a family to make sure that we put our arms around those carriers and tell them, we got you. We got you. Look, you take care of your rehabilitation. We're going to take care of the job here for you. But you get yourself right. We're praying for you, and we're hoping that you beat this. But we're not going to set them out there alone. We're not going to let them do that. We're not going to let them fight this alone, ever. One last decision. It's from Linda DeLeon Klein, and it's a fantastic decision. And the carrier here left premises, left his route, and went and brought, bought some alcohol and became drunk while he was at work. And he had several vehicle accidents while he was under the influence of alcohol. So that, that's what we're dealing with in this decision here. And here's what she states. And here's one of the things that management always argues when we're dealing about alcoholism, that they're scared to put this carrier back on the street because if they come in uh, inebriated again, it may, may end up causing death, and which is understandable. But here's what she said. It's on page 20. She says, in the instant case, the grievant had to have been suffering with his alcoholism for a period of time. Otherwise, he would have been able to resist and control his great craving for brandy on September 24th. The fact that he gave in and violated the established rules shows that the disease of alcoholism controlled him. He engaged in misconduct by leaving the route to buy brandy and driving while intoxicated while under the, in, under the control of the disease. I'm going to read that again. He engaged in misconduct by leaving the route to buy brandy and driving while intoxicated while under the control of the disease. That's the rattlesnake. The fact that the grievant finally recognized his problem and did something about it should be considered favorably to the extent that he should be given a last and final opportunity to dis- demonstrate that he can safely perform his carrier duties. In this regard, the arbitrator is aware of management's concern about the potential risk of harm posed by returning the grievance to duty. However, based upon the grievance's extensive time in rehab and based upon a return to duty with frequent and random alcohol testing for two years, this risk should be forestalled. The grievance shall therefore be returned to work and given a final opportunity to salvage his employment under the terms set forth in the following award. Folks, we've got to start arguing Article 35. It's plain and simple. Like I said earlier, that's my first argument, Article 35, because it's crystal clear in its language. It will be considered favorably on an employee who voluntarily gets themselves an EAP. Let's make sure a carrier has an incident, and we know that it's related to drug or alcohol abuse, we as stewards mandate them to go get help, EAP. Go get help, okay? Counsel them on the investigative interview. We're going to come clean with our addiction, no matter how embarrassing it is. We're going to come clean right there. We're going to tell them, I'm an addict, I need help, and I'm asking that you help me. I've checked myself in EAP from then on, we're going to let the chips fall where they may. But that's the best foot forward for us, okay? And, again, love, love your people. Love your people. Let them know that, all right, all the time. Let them know that you love them and that you're there for them. You're going to take care of them. It goes a long way. I'm telling you, it goes a long way. But Article 35 is uh, the episode today. It's 40 minutes. My gosh, I'm sorry it took so long. But 
it, it's one of my well it's the top one to me as far as passion uh, because addiction the disease of addiction is a devastator of lives absolutely devastates lives and homes and families we're going to do everything humanly possible to help our brothers and sisters when it comes to the disease of alcoholism and drug abuse all right well i'm going to have a special guest on next a good friend of mine who i respect a lot we're going to have a good time we'll talk about some things i think he wants to talk about some uh, some one-track discipline we're going to talk about that. Maybe some unauthorized overtime. There's no telling what he'll talk about. He's crazy like that. So Article 35, get in it, read it, understand that. Look up those sites. Uh, read those sites. It'll help you with some defenses to management's discipline against that. All right? I'll see y'all on the other side. Hey, you're my brothers and sisters, and I love y'all out there, okay? Y'all take care of yourselves. Have a fantastic rest of the day. And I'll uh, talk to you in the next episode. Take care now. Bye-bye.